Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association, a podcast about woodworking from folk who woodwork. Woodworking is what we do, who we are, and what we like to talk about. So join us as we have a drink, sit around, and talk woodworking. Hi, and welcome to the 272nd episode of the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast. I'm Kyle Barton of K Barton Tools, and I'm here with my co host, Diami Plotke of the Penultimate Woodshop, and Sean Wisniewski. Boy, Sean. How you doing? Sean Wisniewski <laughs> of the Corner Workshop. And tonight we're talking, we're asking, golly, yes, we're leaving this in. And tonight we're asking Bob R., because I'm not going to put Rosieski. 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 That's what we thought we go. learned. There you go. There you go. Yeah. We're asking Bob Rosieski the five questions. So, first off, Bob, uh, how did you get into woodworking? So I, I ironically, um, it was not through hand tools. Um, I actually was a, a big fan of Norm Abrams growing up in the uh, the New Yankee Workshop. So uh, that that's kind of where my my initial interest came into the craft, and I spent a lot of years watching his show and uh, you know just just learning from him and uh, trying to emulate a lot of the things that he built and a lot of the, the, uh, the way that he built them, uh, which isn't exactly the easiest thing to do. Um, you know, when you're, when you're in, in elementary and middle school, but uh, <laughs> you know, once I got to, to high school and, and got to use the high school shop um, you know, I, I was able to, to build some stuff and uh, the hand tool thing didn't really come along until uh Till probably around 2000, and uh, I actually didn't even know who Roy Underhill was uh, until about uh-huh. 2001. So uh, really? we never, never. Yeah, we up you in the northeast. In uh, we did not. No, nope. yeah, we, we, uh, we never up did. in the northeast. We got. Yeah, I, I still don't think they do. So I, uh, yeah, I, I, I wasn't able to uh, to see anything done by Roy Underhill until the internet came out. So uh, until his show started to be streamed over the internet, I never saw anything related to Roy Underhill. So, uh, so yeah, the the hand tool thing really didn't uh, come along until uh, you know about eighteen years or so ago. Wow! wow. Yeah, gr- growing up, it was it was Norm, Roy, and Car Week. <laughs> really? <laughs> on, on on PBS, those always came together. I I forget what order they went in, but mine sure. was the opposite. It was Car Week. Then it was um, this old house. Then oh, this was, old house was in there. Yeah. Yeah. Then it was Norm, and then it was Roy. Huh. But I yeah. totally, I, I remember. Yeah. But oddly enough, my wife, who grew up in the same town as I did, does not know. But I mean, she's a girl, so like, <laughs> different upbringing. But I mean, that, that was a a staple of my childhood, and in, 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 largely in the same way. But uh, yes. Interesting that Norm wasn't in the uh, New England area. No, Roy, Roy. Or nope. sorry, Roy, Roy, Roy. Uh, but yeah, in the Long Island, New Jersey area. Interesting. The middle states. Yeah, no, yeah. we just got, you know, we got middle coast. Right, yeah. New, this old house and uh, New Yankee Workshop, those were the those were the two. Hmm. Uh, there was, those two were very tightly tied, and the other one came out of North Carolina somewhere. Mm. Uh, anyway, anyway, so uh, what is your favorite tool? 
Well, if uh, I would say if you've read anything that I've written or or watched the latest videos, you'd probably say the ink handle gouges. And I, and I love ink handle gouges, but um, I would have to say my my favorite tool or tools um, that I I have and use are, are probably my hand saws um, because I've made them all myself. So, um, you know, there when I started, I, I started using antique hand saws. Um, and as I got more interested in the the older tools from 18th century and 17th century, um, I realized that, you know, there were some minor differences between the saws that you can typically buy on the antique tools market now, which are mostly uh, a late 19th to early 20th century saws, mm-hmm. and the saws that they used in the 18th century, like the the ones that they reproduced down in Williamsburg. And I really wanted a set of those set of saws, like the ones that the, the guys in Williamsburg tend to use. So um, the only way that I was going to be able to, to get saws like that was going to be to make them myself. Um, so that's kind of, that's pretty much what I set out to do. And uh, eventually built myself, uh, you know, a nest of about five or six saws, um, that are pretty much in that, that 18th century, late 18th century vein. Um, so I, I think I enjoy using those the most just because I, I've put so much time into researching them and building them and tuning them just right. So, mm-hmm. um, I've got them pretty much just where I want them now. Yeah. I can, and you have a number of videos out there about how to sharpen hand saws. And I think you actually did that as a service for, uh, for a few years too. Mm-hmm. I did. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't remember exactly how many years it was, but I did, uh, I did sharpen hand saws as a service for a while. Um, there's a, I do have a, a, a very early video on sharpening hand saws and I don't quite do it exactly like that anymore. Um, that method works just fine, but, um, it's a little slower than what I, how I tend to work these days. Um, so I, I don't quite sharpen my saws the same way as I did mm. in that video, but, but the, it, it still works just fine to, to use that method. Um, but, and, and I do, I think I have a, a series of blog posts that I wrote a couple of years ago or a year or so ago as well, actually on, on full on making, um, a tenon saw. Mm. Um, so, that's out there too. If anyone's interested in that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I remember that, that, that was a very cool, uh, blog post cause, uh, you go through all the details. So that, that was fantastic. So I, I was talking to Kyle earlier and I said, I, I was following your, your blog pretty closely as I was assembling my small arsenal of saws, all, all antique vintage, whatever's, um, aside from a couple, but, um, but then I, as you just said that, I remembered, and I forget the in, entire circumstance of it, but I believe one of my Lee Valley dovetail saws was sent to you to be sharpened by Shannon during something he did like five, six, seven years ago. 
And it was just the fact that I had one and he offered it up and he's like, hey, I want to do this for a thing and whatever. Anyway, so I, I believe I do have one of your sharpened saws. <laughs> <laughs> in, in a roundabout sort of way. In a, in a very roundabout sort of way. Or, I have or, no, no Sean, way of determining that. Tell the truth. You, you're the one who stole those sharpened, those sharpened saws off a of Matt's front porch. No, not true. Not true. Not true. Wow. Very quick to deny. Oh yeah, I remember yeah, that too. He, he, is, he is very quick to deny it. You know, that's not what I've heard through the. You know, if, if the you dark know me, web. if you know me at all, I don't travel that much, and I definitely don't travel that quickly. You know what? That, that is absolutely true. As long as I've known you, that is absolutely true. <laughs> no, I seem to remember he traveled quite a bit before that happened. Oh boy! Oh boy! <laughs> all right. Well. um, <laughs> Bob, in your uh, in your woodworking, or more specifically, your saw sharpening, if that's better, um, who has influenced you the most in your work? So I wouldn't say there, there's any one person who's influenced me the most. Um, I've gotten a lot of influence from a lot of people. I mean, what I'm doing really is nothing new. Um, you know, this stuff has been done for for hundreds, thousands of years, even. Mm. Um, I would say, you know, that the guys down in Williamsburg really, um, they really shared a lot with me the first few times I went down there and, uh, and most of them aren't even there anymore. You know, uh, uh, you know, I'm talking about guys like Mac Headley and, uh, Dave Salisbury and, and, uh, Marcus Hansen. Like these are guys that are, are, are now gone from the shop and, um, but I spent a lot of time talking to them the, you know, the first few times I went down there about methods and sources and, and all these different things, like where to learn this stuff. Um, and they're the guys that turned me on to, you know, books like uh, Peter Nicholson's Mechanics Companion and, and Moxon and Rubeau and, um, you know, so a lot of my influence has come from the guys in Williamsburg. It's come from um, old books. Um, Folks like uh, Adam Carabini mm. and Christopher Schwarz, um, Don McConnell. You know, there there's just so many folks that I've had conversations with mm. over the years about the craft and the and the the tools. Um, I don't think I could say that one person um, you know has influenced me the most. I think it's just this conglomeration of of discussions with folks over the years that have really kind of had me end up where i am now mm -hmm. so question i just curious out of my mind um so what what's adam up to now it's been a few years since i've heard anything from him i don't know if you say so, that or not <laughs> I haven't heard from him in a couple of years. Last okay. I heard, so he he had gone over to England um, and done some work there for the company that he works for. Um, he spent a few years in England and then came back and uh, he and his family bought an old barn or farm um, or something along those lines um, up in Bucks County. Pennsylvania or somewhere in that area um, and he was they were taking that old barn and restoring it and turning it into a house um, but that's the last I had heard uh, I, other than that I, I haven't heard from Adam I kind of lost touch with him lost communication mm. um, and I haven't heard from him in a, in a, a couple of years hmm. well, that's too bad 
Yeah. But, well, with that said, um, <laughs> so to speak, uh, what's been your biggest stumbling block in woodworking? So I think early on, the the my biggest stumbling block was the um, the lack of information, or or at least the lack of access to mm-hmm. information. Right. So when I started with the whole hand tool thing, um, you really didn't have easy access to a lot of these old books. They they hadn't been reprinted yet, um, so you needed to find original copies, um, which you know, trying to find a, a uh, an original copy of uh, of an 18th century book is not exactly the easiest thing in the world to do, um, mm-hmm. and even you know even a library chances are unless you're you're looking at like the Library of Congress or some some huge college library um, chances are you're not going to find it. Um, so it was tough to to find a lot of the information that I was looking for. You know I could talk to folks again like the the guys in the the cabinet shop at. Williamsburg and local museums and and folks online um, that may have had access, you know, back in the uh, the early days of the uh, the internet message boards, um, but really getting to look through those books and read through those books and and get access to that information was was kind of difficult back when I was starting my hand tool journey. So um, I think that was probably the most difficult thing was just where do you find the information to learn this kind of stuff? Because it it just wasn't really easily or readily available at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, that's through, changed uh, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Dayami? I was just, Chris has made a career of publicizing this, looking it up and, and sharing it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, the the service that he's done to uh, to the, the the woodworking community in general has just been huge. With the the amount of work they've put into, I mean, I, I just look at the the Rubo volumes that they they republished alone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that would have put anybody else out of business doing something like that in in no time. Uh, it was such a huge undertaking to do that. Exactly. Honestly, between the, I mean, I've got one of the Rubo reprints. I've got the Moxon reprint. Um, that there's a wealth of knowledge in that old stuff, and uh, yeah, it's a hell of a lot easier to find nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, a uh, final question: uh, How has the internet influenced your work? Uh, so I think it's it's related to the last question, right? So mm-hmm. I think the internet has made a lot of that information more readily available. Um, folks like like Chris and Lost Art Press, and um, you know, have been able to get the information out out there. Um, school school libraries and museums have been able to digitize copies of of Moxon and uh, and Nicholson and Rabot and. Um, Diderot and and Falabian and all these different you know 18th 19th century books, um, and you can find a lot of that information online now. You know a lot of a lot of museums, a lot of um, colleges have digitized their copies of them and made them freely and readily available to anyone looking for that information. So it's um, it's amazing what you can find in a Google search now, yeah. and not only that. Um, 
you know, just looking at museum collections, you can go online now and, um, you know, and look at, at furniture close-ups and, and pictures underneath and the insides of, of all these different pieces of antique furniture from museum collections, um, that they just freely post online that, you know, before you might have had to travel to, to Europe or, or across the country to be able to see this, a, a piece in the, in a particular collection. And now you can go online and, and get really great pictures of these pieces. So um, I think it's, it's just made the sharing of all this stuff and access to information and, and all of it just so much easier and the videos as well. Oh yeah. Right? It's so much easier to, to, to post videos and to find videos and of things that just weren't available, you know, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. No, agreed. Agreed. And I, that, that museum access, I think that's something a lot of people don't know about. And it's, boy, that's almost a blog post in itself or a, a, or a continuing blog post is, you know, the uh, the references and the resources that are available at these uh, museums. So that's absolutely fascinating. So with that, uh, Bob, so where can folks find you on the interwebs? So you can find me at uh, my website at brfinewoodworking.com. Uh, and you can also look me up on Instagram, and I'm at BR Fine Woodworking. Diami? can be found at Diami Plotke on the Twitter. And Sean? I'm at Sean W78 on most social medias. Kyle? And, of course, you can always find me on Barton.Kyle on Instagram, the only social media platform that matters. And that just about wraps up this show. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show on any podcatcher that you like. <laughs> and uh, you can check us out at modernwoodworkersassociation.com. Follow us on uh, MWA underscore podcast on Instagram. And you'll catch what's going on. So until then, uh, till the next time, get in the shop and uh, go find out what happened to Adam. We miss him. Oh. Oh.